The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Primal Body, Primal Mind. Your host, Nora Gedgaudis, is here to take you on a fun-filled and informational journey through the mind and your body with a focus on neurofeedback and healthy nutrition and what it can do for you, your family, and friends. Now here's your host, Nora Gedgaudis. Well, good morning and welcome to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio. I am your host, Nora Gedgaudis, broadcasting to you this morning from the beautiful, albeit soggy, Pacific Northwest here in Portland, Oregon. Well, we're on to a brand new broadcast schedule here, and I have some really exciting and very interesting shows uh, coming your way over the next number of weeks with some absolutely amazing guests, so you're going to want to stay tuned. Uh, Today, we're talking about the brain, and we're talking specifically about something called post-traumatic stress disorder. It's also known as PTSD for short. Now, for those of you that don't quite know what that means, I'm going to try to describe it briefly here in a nutshell for you. So when any of us are exposed to danger or some frightening or life-threatening situation, it's normal and natural uh, for our brains to respond by going into a state of acute anxiety. Basically, fight or flight is a response to what's happening, right? But sometimes the event is such a shock to the system, or maybe you're just vulnerable enough at the time that you get stuck. And you can continue to feel afraid, sometimes for seemingly no reason at all, for days, weeks, months, or even years later. Now, this can happen to anyone at any age, even children. The most common circumstances you know, leading to post-traumatic stress disorder can involve, say, witnessing a horrible accident or a war or a plane crash, an earthquake, a hurricane, a robbery or shooting, or a fighting or some sort of frightening personal assault, Um, even the death or illness of a loved one, almost anything shocking where you may feel extreme personal danger or upset. It's, It's like through that event, your nervous system suddenly becomes hardwired for that state of fight or flight, and it can get triggered into a state of alarm at almost any time. This is what post traumatic stress disorder basically is all about. You can even simply witness something horrible happening to someone else and develop post-traumatic stress disorder, Uh, as was true for so many people uh, in this country watching the events unfold, even on TV from thousands of miles away on 9-11. Living through or or witnessing most anything upsetting or dangerous can trigger this condition. Well, the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder can vary a lot depending on the person and the severity of the experience, It can be anything from a mild anxiety state following a more severe car accident, say, when, like whenever you get into a car uh, where waves of panic overtake you around tight corners, red lights, or quick stops. Or it can be like the Vietnam, you know, veteran who 
goes into an extreme reaction that seems disconnected from reality. Uh, if they hear, say, a car backfire or some other loud noise reminiscent of, of combat. I uh, once lived upstairs from the apartment of a man who was a Gulf War vet who was suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. And the apartment building just happened to lie under the frequent flight path of National Guard helicopters as we weren't living, uh, that apartment wasn't too far from a, from a base. And I'd, I'd hear the chopper blades overhead, and suddenly this guy would just start screaming. Um, he also drank a lot to self-medicate uh, all of the anxiety that he lived with. Um, I also once had a client who, as a child, had suffered horrific sexual abuse by her father. and She had done years of high-quality psychotherapy and was extraordinarily self-aware. She'd done a lot of really good work on herself, but she'd be walking down the street on a beautiful, calm, bright, and sunny day, and she'd be suddenly, out of the blue, just completely paralyzed with terror and unable to move. Intellectually, she knew there was nothing to be afraid of, that she was just sort of being silly, but on an emotional and on a physiological level, she was just completely terrified and, and paralyzed. It's like her entire nervous system was lit up like a Christmas tree. Now, this happened to her often without warning all of the time, and it interfered with her ability to function normally day to day. It interfered with her job, and it interfered with her relationships. She couldn't live that way anymore, so she called a man who had written a popular book about neurofeedback um, and asked him for help, and he told her to call me. Now, her life is now very, very different, and she's really much better able to respond to the world around her rather than just react. Neurofeedback has the unique capability to help people soften the wiring, if you will, around traumatic or chronic anxiety-provoking events and feel much more in control of their emotional states. So what are some of the most common symptoms of PTSD? Well, they can include, say, having a particularly pronounced startle response or recurring bad dreams or nightmares, trouble sleeping, feeling on edge or experiencing angry or reactive outbursts, uh, avoiding certain places that maybe remind you of certain events, uh, scary thoughts you can't control, flashbacks that make you feel like you're experiencing the same scary event all over again, or gravitating toward escapism more than usual, or you know, self-medicating with drugs or alcohol. Now, children might show some very different symptoms, like maybe being unable to talk uh, more so than normal, uh, or becoming more infantile in their behavior and maybe needier, uh, isolating themselves more, not playing with friends, and complaining of frequent, inexplicable, say, tummy aches or headaches, or maybe wanting to avoid certain places out of fear. Well, joining us today to talk more about this is Sue Othmer. She's one of the founders um, of and the clinical director for the EEG Institute and certainly one of the most respected early pioneers and leading experts in the field of neurofeedback. Sue is among the most experienced neurofeedback clinicians in the country, probably the world and has personally taught and trained thousands of professionals worldwide, including yours truly, in uh, beginning and advanced neurofeedback techniques. Sue also presents clinical research findings in professional forums. And trust me when I say we could not be any luckier than we are to have her here today. So welcome, Sue. Thank you very much, Nora. Uh, you're very welcome. 
So we're seeing a lot of this, a lot of post-traumatic stress disorder out there in, in our offices these days. I mean, maybe even more than ever before, um, in my mind anyway. What's your experience or take on that? Well, um, I think that there can be a cumulative effect. You know, we, when people are subjected to these life-threatening situations, people respond differently, right? Some people are right. more impacted than others, and we can really look at that and say some people are more vulnerable to be, being traumatized. It could be their physiology, their temperament, but a lot of it is, all, is from earlier trauma. So we experienced that with 9-11, as, as you mentioned. Some, some, every, all of us were sort of traumatized by that event, but some of us responded much more, had more impact, more suffering, and it, because it, it like throws you back onto your uh, previous trauma. So I don't know. The world is pretty traumatic in a number of ways right now, and I think yeah. we're seeing the cumulative effect of that. Yeah, no kidding. So, yeah, it, it seems to me that that really more than ever uh, before we're living in a traumatized society. I mean, we have people traumatized by the, by the events of things like, you know, 9-11 and hurricanes and earthquakes and losing their jobs and stock market crashes, and we have scores of, of course, scores of returning veterans from Iraq and Afghanistan. Not all of these people who may be exposed to these events necessarily develop post-traumatic stress disorder. But what would you say might be the difference between somebody who does or doesn't? Why do some people seem to get stuck in that anxiety state while others seem to, say, more readily move on? Well, if we think about the PTSD and think about it as involving this issue of going into this survival mode when you're faced with a life-threatening situation and then getting stuck in that survival mode, we have to say, what is a life-threatening situation? Right. I think when people have uh, early development trauma in their early developmental years or subsequent trauma, then their sense of security is less, less you know, firm so that a, a new situation then immediately, they're closer to the edge so that situation can make them feel like they're in, you know, threatened when somebody else might not feel threatened. So as soon as you're threatened, that throws you into that survival mode. And if, you, you know, if, that, if that happens to you a number of times over your life, you get just, it's a cascade. You just ratchet up to where you then just stay there. Yeah, these folks are pretty tightly wound. Right. So you know, from a neurofeedback perspective, our first focus is, is the physiology. We can understand it as, as a state shift. You go into survival mode, it's really important. This is, this is a life-preserving sort of an ability that we have, that when we're faced with a life-threatening situation, we shift into this survival mode, we find the emergency, respond to the emergency, forget about how we feel, how anybody else feels, what we have to do tomorrow. You know, you have to live in the moment and respond to that emergency, and that keeps us alive. The problem arises when you get stuck into that in that state. So it's not about staying alive anymore, or it shouldn't be, but there you are trying to stay alive, and you, and you just get caught there. So from a neurofeedback perspective, our first focus is to just ease that person back down out of that emergency mode. They know, you know, you're just stuck in high arousal, right. but knowing that doesn't get you out of it. The neurofeedback is a very uh, direct and, and easy efficient way to just sort of pull that, per that person's nervous system back down into a calmer state, and then the world looks very different from that calmer state. Right. Yeah, I have a, um, a really good friend who, you know, who 
probably 20 years ago, suffered, um, you know, a near-fatal um, car crash. Um, was just this in, the, in this horrible accident, and you know, she was hospitalized for a time, and the other person was reduced to being a vegetable, and I mean, it was just an awful, awful thing. And now, I mean, anytime she gets into a car, um, particularly in the passenger seat, <laughs> where she's not quite in control, um, you know, there's a red light coming up ahead, and she's gasping, you know. Um, there, you know, we have to uh, change lanes and or um, we have, trying to cross an intersection, and there's a car coming maybe a quarter of a mile away. <laughs> it's suddenly, you know, um, a reaction to absolutely everything that happens. And she knows intellectually that she's being reactive, and it's like, you know, she knows it's, it, there's, that there's not necessarily a danger in that moment, but she can't convince her nervous system of that. Right, so knowing can cannot be very helpful. But there, there's two issues. There's one, that sort of general state of reactivity to everything. But we also know uh, with people who are traumatized that there are specific hot buttons, right? It's the, it's the sound of the car backfiring, the sound of the helicopter, right. the, the smell of something burning that then re-triggers the whole traumatic event. So, so that's the second part of our nerve feedback picture is that we can target the learned component of this, not just the physiological state shift, but the, the learned survival mechanism, because the deep part of our brain has that job of learning very fast and firmly when something is life-threatening. You, you don't want to have to experience that three or four times to learn it. Right. That's a one-shot learning, and that's very deep, and you can't think your way out of it. And that, of course, brings us to the second part of the nerve feedback, the deep state or alpha-theta training, where we use the feedback to take people to a deep state, sort of between awake and asleep, and hold them there. And that allows the person to be in a very calm, relaxed mode where they're not going to be reactive, they're not thinking, they're more in a witness state. And then that allows the deeper part of your mind to bring up the specifics of that event and actually finish processing it and putting it away as a memory. So we put those two right. pieces together, the physiological shift and the psychological resolution, and altogether we do a really good job with PTSD. Yeah, it, it's extremely powerful stuff. Um, I want to kind of uh, put a hold on that talk about alpha-theta because it's something I do want to get into, and uh, we're having to go to our first commercial break. So if I'm going to invite everybody to stick around. Sue Othmer will be back in just a moment here. We're talking about post-traumatic post stress disorder. You're listening to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio. I'm Nora Gadgaudis, your host, and we will be back in just a moment. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. Want to learn more about neurofeedback? Want to find a trained clinician for yourself or for a loved one? Or maybe you are a professional looking to offer this powerful, non-invasive technique to improve results for your toughest clients. At EEG Info, we are the leading provider of neurofeedback resources, videos, and training for the next generation of neurofeedback professionals. If you want to improve symptoms of emotional and behavioral dysfunction, this non-invasive approach is the answer you've been looking for. Neurofeedback is successful in helping people of all ages achieve a feeling of greater health and well-being. Visit us at eeginfo.com today to learn more about neurofeedback or to find a local clinician who can help you or someone you love. 
Unlock the full potential of your brain today. Visit eeginfo.com. Steps to a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're tuned in to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio with host Nora Gedgaudis. Got a question for Nora about today's show? The phone lines are open now at 1-866-472-5792. Toll free, 1-866-472-5792. Now back to our show. Here's Nora. So welcome back to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio. This is Nora Gedgaudis, and we're here today with Sue Othmer from the EEG Institute, and we're talking about something called post-traumatic stress disorder. So, uh, so Sue, can you talk to us a little bit about what is known about what is actually happening with post-traumatic stress disorder on a brain level? Now, my understanding is that there is often an increase in activity or metabolism in the right side of the brain or the right it's called, you know, we call it prefrontal cortex um, or the amygdala and limbic system with post-traumatic stress disorder. But can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, it helps us to think about left brain, right brain. <clears throat> and we can think about the right brain as our more uh, primary awareness that helps us know how we are, where we are in the world, what's happening, happening around us. And the left brain is really more involved in thinking about what, the, what we're going to do tomorrow and studying for the history test and categorizing and naming things, all the detailed stuff. So this, this definitely applies to PTSD because when you're try, uh, responding to a, to a life-threatening situation and you need to be in the moment, you're in your right brain. And so one way to look at PTSD is sort of the right brain on fire where it's that reactivity and over-arousal and, and living in the moment. And people with PTSD have a great deal of difficulty planning and organizing and thinking about the future and all of those sort of left brain activities, not because their left brain is injured necessarily, but because the, when the primary focus is on staying alive in the right hemisphere, the left hemisphere is just sort of out of the loop and has to wait. So often with the neurofeedback, we start by calming down the right hemisphere, and then later we see whether we need to also work on the left. Right. Um, yeah, I, I think it may be true, too, that you know there, there are many people that have uh, post-traumatic stress disorder without really even realizing it's what they have. Uh, um, a lot of times people will walk in and they'll be complaining about generalized anxiety or sleep issues or depression or mood swings or excessive reactivity, and they just don't make the connection necessarily to being stuck in some earlier experience in their lives. Right, because people might not even, you know, actually remember a trauma. <clears throat> it might be suppressed. Right. And so what they're experiencing, of course, is all of the discomfort that comes with that high arousal state. So, in, you know, if um, in what way... Maybe you can describe how neurofeedback specifically is able to help individuals gain control of these post-traumatic stress symptoms. Well, there are these two pieces for us. There's this physiological piece. So the, the initial neurofeedback approach, this bipolar training that we do, helps. It's an you may want to explain what bipolar because people are going to think that has to do with manic depression. Right. Okay. It's just a question of how we put the electrodes on there, yeah. the electrodes on the, on the scalp. We can call it a wake state training. It's a, the first part of our training is uh, approaching 
teaching the brain to be more uh, balanced and organized and stable in its function, sort of a physiological toning of the brain. And what that can accomplish is to help, help the brain manage its different states so we can sleep better, we can focus better, we can calm down and wake up and just have, it's like a, uh, taking your brain to the gym and working out and then your brain is more flexible and stable and right. resilient for you. So, yeah, I, I find a particularly um, powerful tool in our more recent use of, um, of temporal lobe training sites as a means of helping to calm chronic over sort of stimulation to this part of our brain, which is so important for mitigating stress response. I think I see temporal lobe training as almost a bit of a kind of a brain training multivitamin, so to speak, to kind of help curtail that cortisol marinade so many of us are in day to day. You know, one... Once that part of the brain winds up, it's really hard to get it to wind down. And uh, low-frequency sort of brain training uh, at the temporal lobes really seems to help tremendously. It, it gives the brain, I think, kind of a fighting chance to regenerate. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how specific the effects are for us. And what we're talking about is, you know, where do I put those electrodes on the head? Which part of the brain am I going to measure from and, and use to, to train the nervous system? And the temporal lobe has sort of become, uh, placement has become an anchor for us. So when I'm thinking about PTSD, I'm going to use that bipolar placement with one on the temporal lobe and then one back on the parietal where the body is mapped. And when I do that, I'm going to be addressing the, the physical part of the of the uh, reactivity. So people have the, the racing heart and the muscle tension and that whole physical startle response. So when we train the right temporal with parietal, that all calms down. Right, right in the session, as you say, as we choose to show the brain a lower and lower frequency of its own activity, the person responds in getting calmer and calmer in a physical sense. And then when we go up, we keep the right temporal and we go up to the prefrontal on the right side, now, that's the top-down control of our emotional reactivity. And so then that gets at the, that core sense of safety and calm, calmness, you know, within ourselves emotionally. We put those two things together, and we've gone a long way to pulling the person back down out of that fight or flight. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one gentleman I, I worked with who had, um, you know, post-traumatic issues, and he was in his, he was in his 70s, um, and... He had lived a pretty much a reclusive life most of his life, um, and what what neurofeedback did for him, of course, was was sort of bring him out of that shell in a way that was very liberating for him. But it was interesting in the middle of of, of, of a session, he kind of um, he teared up, and and I asked him if he was okay, and he said yes, but he said I I feel. He says, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of grieving. And, and I said, well, you know, what, what's the grief piece about for you? And he said that my life is just beginning. Yeah, yeah. These, these, are, these are profound shifts. I work with a <clears throat> veteran uh, whose actually video is on our, on our website. Yeah, I was going to ask you about him. And he, yeah. um, he, he was sort of a program that we were working with the homeless shelter at the Salvation Army. And so he said, yeah, I'll go on a field trip. I'll go do it. But he thought it was kind of dumb, you know, kind of silliness. And uh, so he sort of came, and then and then he experienced this training, and it was so profoundly calming for him. He comes back uh, after a session or two and goes, "What are you doing to my brain?" <laughs> 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 Whoa, something's happening here. 
And then, uh, so we were sitting and talking, and he, and he was couldn't believe it. And then he, all in the in this like in the same sentence, he turns to me and says, "Why did this take forty years?" Right. Because there there it is. You know, he he's been stuck in that state, had been for forty years, and it was only. You know, it was that close, right? Good function was that close. His brain just couldn't make that step from here to there. Because we don't do that much in the nerve feedback. We're just showing the brain how to shift state a little bit, and all of a sudden the person can find a comfortable state that has eluded him for 40 years. And, of course, it um, it often takes, because the brain gets very enamored of doing things the way it, it has been doing them for a long time, and so it's the kind of thing that, you know... I mean, I see sometimes profound shifts happening after the very first session, but, of course, it takes, you know, the ultimate effect of neurofeedback training is cumulative. And so over time, um, you know, if you don't keep training, the brain will kind of tend to slide back into what it knows how to do, and it takes multiple sessions and uh, oftentimes multiple placements to get the brain to a place where it's able to manage its states on its own without actually having to be there training. Right. So, so we need to do enough to teach the brain to do it by itself. We also need to do it enough to allow the person to get used to it because there, there can be a real resistance, which I think you were suggesting. It, when you take somebody down out of that level of anxiety, that in itself can be rather frightening to all of a sudden feel calm for the first time in years and years. Yeah, yeah no kidding. What would be, um, you know, what's uh, one of the more memorable uh, cases of post-traumatic stress disorder, just out of curiosity, that comes to mind for you? Well, of course, this is veteran, but I, I worked with a, just thinking in terms of the Alpha Theta experience, a memorable event was a, a Vietnam veteran I worked with and did an Alpha Theta session, and um, at, he, he had gone to Vietnam as a young man and was completely physically and emotionally just destroyed by that. He, he was just devastated and quite disabled and he came back. So here he, here he is now, you know, 40 years later, um, strong, handsome fellow, and he still has that self-image of this broken young man. And so that, of course, had greatly derailed his life. And he did, the, you know, like 40 minutes of Alpha Theta session. At the end, he says to me, I just saw every bad thing that happened to me in Vietnam. Now, and he was just lying there comfortably for 40 minutes listening to the, the, the brainwave feedback, you know, and um, not awake, not talking or anything. And then, but his brain had been busy showing him the, the slideshow of everything that happened without re-traumatizing him. You know? Right. And then he said, and I have a whole new image of, of who, how I think about myself, you know. I'm going, wow, okay. And then when he walked out of the room, he said, well, and I've never been able to say any of that to anyone before. Oh. And so which shows you that he he had he had not we hadn't reactivated all that trauma, we hadn't thrown him back into the jungle. Right. He had been able from a safe distance to see those events because his brain so desperately wanted to finish processing and put away as a memory, but never could because it was re traumatizing. So the beauty of Alpha Theta is it holds you in this very safe, calm little container so that you can do that work and come out the other side and go, okay, I remember it. I remember it was horrible, but it's not happening to me anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, um, You know, it, it, it's interesting, too, because um, there's a little bit of another, uh, of, of another side to this. 
that I've run into from time to time, and I'll bet I'll bet you have too. That you know, we, we think in terms, of course, people with with post traumatic stress are, are just they're very tightly wound, and there's a tremendous amount of anxiety that they're holding in place, which takes a tremendous amount of energy for them just to get through a day. I think, um, but um, there's an aspect to that to that tension that they carry, an aspect to that high anxiety that they carry that for some of them, well, probably for all of them on some level, is, is self-protecting. And so I, I had a case of, of an older woman who had been uh, suffering uh, post-traumatic stress symptoms since she was a child, um, although she didn't present that uh, initially in that way. But she was very tightly wound and nervous, and I could see what reward frequency she was going to end up at. Uh, you know you know what I mean. That person walks in the door and, and your experience or intuition tells you, oh, they're one of those. Well, <laughs> um, you know, and I know right where to put the electrodes. Well, I, I tell you, it was, it was interesting because I just knew where she was going to need to end up. Um, this was somebody who really needed to be calmed down a lot. And, you know, maybe impatiently, um, I, I couldn't wait to get her there. And so I was you know, sort of rapidly moving her through uh, these frequencies to sort of calm her brain down, and uh, which usually works out fine. Usually it's a kind of a, a relief for people to go there. But something interesting happened. Normally, again, you know, when a person's anxious, they wear their anxiety like a, like a heavy suit of armor. And when you train their brain into a calmer state, it's like they shed this heavy weight and feel this wonderful lightness that's very freeing for them. But in some cases, you know, post-traumatic, um, particularly when we have a post-traumatic uh, issue, you know, if you take that armor off too fast, they simply feel naked and vulnerable, and this can be very sort of destabilizing for them. And this woman just sort of unraveled, and she, you know, she seemed okay when she left, but then she couldn't sleep, and, and then she couldn't stop crying, and, and she felt very upset and frightened. And so, you know, she called me the next day, and I had her come in right away. Um, and, you know, to do a session that was actually designed to wind things back up again just enough to feel safe. And so it was a really good lesson. You know, we ended up working our way to winding back down over time much more gradually, and she did end up exactly where I thought she would the first day. But we took our time getting there, and in the end it was extremely liberating for her. What I learned is that it isn't, you know, for one thing, a race to get there, and a much more careful uh, you know, about making sure that, you know, is it just regular anxiety or is this post-traumatic sort of stuff, if that's part of the history. So it's all about baby steps. So the, the relief from post-traumatic, in my experience, it doesn't necessarily come overnight, although it can for some people. Um, and neurofeedback is so incredibly powerful uh, for helping people feel in control of their lives again. It's just it's amazing work and an amazing process to witness well uh, we, uh, i was going to say um I, and i want your comments on this on, and i was just uh, informed that we need to go to a break so um everybody please stay tuned we'll be back in just a minute we're talking with sue othmer of the eg institute and we're discussing post-traumatic stress disorder so please stick around we'll be back in just a minute Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. Want to learn more about neurofeedback? Want to find a trained clinician for yourself or for a loved one? 
Or maybe you are a professional looking to offer this powerful, non-invasive technique to improve results for your toughest clients. At EEG Info, we are the leading provider of neurofeedback resources, videos, and training for the next generation of neurofeedback professionals. If you want to improve symptoms of emotional and behavioral dysfunction, this non-invasive approach is the answer you've been looking for. Neurofeedback is successful in helping people of all ages achieve a feeling of greater health and well-being. Visit us at eeginfo.com today to learn more about neurofeedback or to find a local clinician who can help you or someone you love. Unlock the full potential of your brain today. Visit eeginfo.com. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're tuned in to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio with host Nora Gedgaudis. Got a question for Nora about today's show? The phone lines are open now at 1-866-472-5792. Toll free, 1-866-472-5792. Now back to our show. Here's Nora. Well, welcome back to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio. My name is Nora Gedgaudis. I'm your host today. And we're, we have with us... Sue Othmer of the EEG Institute, and we're talking about neurofeedback training for something called post-traumatic stress disorder. In the last segment, of course, I was, I was talking about um, how some people calming can be a little more threatening than others. What, what has your experience uh, been with that? Well, we need to remember that, that these behaviors are self-protective, right? We, we, we have these sort of emergency mode, uh, survival mode behaviors because they keep us alive. And if people are, are feeling under threat, they're going to continue to have those uh, behaviors and they're going to be reluctant to give them up. They might be afraid to give them up. And so we, it's actually a general truth for us in terms of neurofeedback. We're not in the business of just removing symptoms. We're in the business of creating strength and health and resiliency sort of from the inside out. So we work on calming and stabilizing the nervous system, and then the symptoms are, are sort of shed. And even explaining that to people as we work with them, I think, is helpful so they don't feel so vulnerable. We're not going to just you know, take all these things away, and then that anxiety that is, you, know, feel, you feel like it's keeping you alive in a difficult situation, it's inappropriate, but you feel like it's helpful, we're not going to just strip that away from you. Right, right. It, it's not pretty. And it's funny how there are times where you can do that practically overnight and a person just feels like, wow, wow, thank you. <laughs> and uh, other times, and I, you know, it may have to do with the degree to which a person has actually, you know, addressed those symptoms, whether, you know, through psychotherapy or through other, other means. So, but it's um, part of neurofeedback that as we do it one-on-one with a clinician working with the instrument, that we can be communicating with the client and adjusting what we do to keep them comfortable, it's a lot easier than, say, something with a medication where, you know, you don't know and you can't turn on a dime with a medication as it right. up and then there it is and, oops, it's the wrong thing. You've got to come down and do something else. And we can literally change course in, in seconds if, oops, that's uncomfortable, let me just do this. So the nice thing about neurofeedback is the client is very much not only engaged with the process, but very much in charge of the process. I yeah. like this, I don't like that. And so we, we don't have to be in a hurry. We can go at a, at a rate that's comfortable for the individual. Yeah, it's a bit of a healthcare democracy that a lot of people are not necessarily accustomed to. They're sort of accustomed to, well, 
walking into an office where there's somebody wearing a white coat and saying, well, fix me, I'm broken, and handing that over, as opposed to being an active participant in, in the process and being very, very much a part of directing it. It's so empowering. The thing I love about neurofeedback is, yeah, we have the skill and we have the, the tools of how to use it, but client is very much doing the work and then collaborating with the clinician to figure out how to do it best. And we're all interested in ourselves. It's, it's, it's a fascinating detective work to sort of figure out which symptoms are related to what and how to do it. You know, so, so people, most people really engage in that process and enjoy it. And then, of course, what they end up with at the end is a, a new improved self that it's you're still you. So we don't change people into somebody right. else free them all up. As you say, we peel away some of that extra work and baggage that the brain is doing, and then the person feels more like themselves. They feel more empowered to do what they want to do. Yeah, it's, um, it's, you know, it's a slight aside, but, you know, I, I suffered, you know, pretty intractable depression for more than 35 years of my life. And I'm tempted to say I'm such a completely different person having undergone the process of neurofeedback, but I don't think that that's an accurate way to put it. I think what is a lot more accurate for me to say, um, what feels more accurate, is that it really just sort of helped me become more of who I already was, or maybe to put it a little more crudely, it just helped me get the heck out of my own way. Yeah, that, that's neurofeedback in a nutshell. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Get out of your own way. And that, and at a physiological level, right, I'm, respond, I'm startling at everything that, you know, I, I don't know why I always get headaches. I wish I didn't, that kind of thing. And then there's more the psychological thing of um, I get angry too easily, I, you know, that, that kind of thing. And we can, we can help people uh, just from the inside out gain better control over their own physiology. Not not control, control, but just ease of use of their own right. physiology. And that's so much more comfortable for people and not to mention more effective. It's a nice thing to feel a little bit more comfortable in your own skin. Huge. So Huge. I wanted to say, let's uh, talk a little bit more about the use of different kinds of neurofeedback training for post-traumatic stress issues. You've touched upon this and you know, we have, we have the awake state training, what we call the awake state training, which, of course, uh, the listener may not know what that is, and uh, which maybe you can describe in more detail. And then we also have what we call alpha-theta training. Now, I've actually done a show on alpha-theta training. I had uh, Julian Isaacs on here, which was a really interesting show. Um, but can you talk a little bit about these two different approaches uh, that we tend to apply to cases of post-traumatic and how they differ and also how they complement each other and how they're applied to this particular issue. Okay. So they're both neurofeedback. They're both about simply uh, measuring the brain waves from the scalp and feeding some of that selected aspects of that information back to the client. So there's nothing in. It's not invasive. It's all, it's all feedback. But they're actually two quite different approaches within neurofeedback. So what we're calling the awake state is this physiological self-regulation training, electrodes on the scalp, looking at the cortical EEG, and then the person is engaged with a, essentially a video game that is being uh, energized by the brainwave. So we as clinicians choose where we're going to put our electrodes on the scalp, which brain areas do we want to address and, and exercise, and then what 
which brainwave frequencies are we going to use to drive the game so it makes the car go or the rocket go or the sparkly ball go. And by, by the brain simply being able to see its own behavior manifested in that game, it allows the brain to engage with and being influenced by and then ultimately control the activity within a particular frequency band. And it's so interesting what we've learned over the years is that we can fine-tune the choice of that particular frequency band that we use to run the game and for different people. Different people need to, will benefit from different frequency choices. And there's this general sort of scale that when we show the brain a lower frequency, wherever we are, wherever we go lower, it, it causes the brain to shift to a calmer and calmer state. So that's kind of our prime variable, moving that reward frequency up or down, finding what is most comfortable and most effective for each individual. And then by where we put the electrodes on the head, we can get these tremendously specific and powerful effects, calming the emotions, calming the body, calming the mind, and, and go a long way toward getting the physiology under control. Yeah. Then we say, okay, so you've got pretty good control, you're not so reactive and all of this, but, you know, you still haven't resolved these particular traumas, so there are these still these hot buttons that will set you off, and then you have those whole flashbacks and whatnot. So we need to do now the deep state. And the deep state is such a different process. Now we're going to have you reclined, relaxed, comfortable, eyes closed, dark room, uh, feedback just through head through headphones, just sound. And now we're going to encourage you, reward you through, through this auditory feedback for actually floating away into a deeper state, not, not in this awake, uh, engaged state, but floating away into a disengaged state into making more amplitude within the alpha band, which is sort of a relaxation, and, and then theta, which is a deeper relaxation and distance. Uh, from your outside world. And when people, uh, we all go through those deep states, of course, as we relax and fall asleep at night, but if with the neurofeedback we can hold people in that zone between awake and asleep, and that uh, does a couple things. It keeps people very relaxed and calm, so they're going to be less reactive. It, uh, it also relaxes the, the, the conscious mind, so you're not actively controlling your thoughts or being reactive and protective. And so you're in more of a witness state. You can see, but you're not controlling. Right. And once you give your the subconscious, your, your deeper part of your brain, permission to access and you know observe and, and finally finish uh, processing these memories, it wants to do that. And we don't have to tell people to do it. We don't have to talk to them. We don't talk to them during the session. Totally automatically comes up in that deep state. And yeah, we'll finish it, and then they're and you know they they still remember it, but they're done with it. Yeah, I'm I'm you know struck by just how uh, deepening an experience alpha theta can be for people. Um, not just during the time that they're there, but the deepening that it can actually bring into people in their experience of themselves and their lives, their self awareness. It's uh, in in some ways it's uh, some of the most um, um, I don't know the some of the most humanizing work that we do, I think. That's the transformative part, right? The the first part is just, okay, let's get your nervous system to do what you mean to do, which, of course, is is huge if you're not having headaches and you're able to sleep and and all of that. 
But then the deep state is more the transformative. You know, who am I? How, how do I fit in the world? What do I want to do with my life? Well, we have to go to another break here. Uh, when we come back, I want to ask Sue some more uh, questions about uh, some other work that has been uh, done more recently with, with veterans. Um, so for those of you listening, my name is Norgit Gaudis. This is Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio. We're talking with Sue Othmer of the EEG Institute about the use of neurofeedback training to, and basically brainwave training in order to, um, to address some of the issues surrounding post-traumatic stress disorder. So stick around. We'll be back in just a minute. to a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're tuned in to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio with host Nora Gedgaudis. Got a question for Nora about today's show? The phone lines are open now at 1-866-472-5792. Toll free, 1-866-472-5792. Now back to our show. Here's Nora. Well, welcome back to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio. I'm your host, Nora Gidgaudis, and we're here today talking with Sue Othmer of the EEG Institute about something called post-traumatic stress disorder. This has just been a, a fascinating and I think really important um, hour's worth of information. Um, so, you know, alpha-theta training is, is one of those pieces that uh, we bring into post-traumatic uh, issues and other kinds of issues. Usually once a person has done a lot of awake state training first. Isn't that, isn't that usually the way we do it? Yeah, for, for a variety of reasons. Um, we, we want, in the deep state, we want to, people to be willing and able to go to a deep state and hold it so that they can do the good work that they want to do there. With PTSD in particular, when people live in that hypervigilant state, sometimes they are not really able to let go and go to that deep state. So you've got the person in a chair and you're wanting them to relax and they're sitting there worrying about who's going to walk in the door and what's going to happen and whether bombs are going to fall on their head and there will be no deep relaxing uh, taking place. Right. So we do the awake state first to, to prepare the way to teach that nervous system in a safe, you know, w- w- well-defended awake state, how to be calm and, and relaxed and ready and, f- and to develop a relationship between the clinician and the client during that time so everyone feels safe and supported and then the alpha-theta is going to be much more effective. Yeah, I, I can't tell you how often I have people walk in who've either maybe, you know, heard the show on alpha-theta or, um, or they know something about it, they read something about it in a book, and it's this really cool kind of deep mystical state that they're just really, really anxious to experience. And, and it's, it's hard to break to them walking through the door on the first day that I, we usually don't start there. <laughs> I had a, a Marine uh, veteran, a recent re- veteran I was working with, and, you know, very gung-ho, overachieving Marine guy, and he was like, okay, I want to do that now, you know, because that was the next thing. So obviously he wanted to do it now. <laughs> and he gets in the chair and he's like, no, don't close the door. No, don't turn the light out. No, don't. Yeah. <laughs> like, there was no relaxation occurring. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's, um, 
it's just the kind of thing that, you know, you have to be able to bring your state somewhat um, under control and feel comfortable in your skin in order for your brain to go to that deep, dark, relaxing place. You can't just sort of force it there. Yeah, and a lot of times people will say, not specifically with regard to PTSD, but people say, well, I, I try to meditate, but I can't. You know, my right. mind won't be quiet. And so another way this can go south is that people are sitting there trying to do alpha theta, and the mind is like, and so we have to have done enough of the wake state to calm down the mind so that, again, relaxation is possible. to help the brain learn how to wind itself down. And then there's, of course, the experienced meditator that thinks they're going to help the state along, (laughs) help alpha theta along by meditating during alpha theta, assuming that it's the same thing. Right, and then, and then we're just measuring that they're meditating instead right. of doing neurofeedback. Now, you might, that might be an interesting thing to answer is, you know, how, do you, how does it differ uh, between alpha theta and, and uh, um, meditation? Well, I think, I think there are, are quite a few uh, techniques out there in the world over time to get to these deep states. There's something about these deep states that is very um, attractive, whether it's, hyperventilating or drumming or twirling or hypnosis or meditation or whatever, being able to to get down out of our separate overthinking little uh, normal awake state into these deeper states is is healing and refreshing, and we want to do it. So we're we're all heading for the same sort of territory. The, and, and, a discipline like meditation has many advantages. It's not just that you go to deep state. There's a whole you know, work around that and a whole value to it. The thing I like about neurofeedback as a tool in, in getting to deep states is that it's so efficient. We can get people there, no drama. We don't throw people out of control. It's very contained, and you don't have to be advanced. You don't have to spend years studying how to do it. The, the, the pull of the feedback is so strong that it'll just boom, pull you there and hold you there safely, and that uh, you know clinically that makes our work very effective and very uh, comfortable. Yeah, you know we, we've also seen some interesting effects. Uh, this is of course we're back to uh, I'm back to talking about wake state training, but interesting effects where trauma history is concerned. Uh, training over the visual cortex, which is a little newer uh, approach, I think, for us. But could you um, talk a little bit about that? So something that we stumbled on in terms of, you know, where do we put the electrodes, stumbled on this finding that when we train over the, the back of the brain, the occipital lobe, which is the visual cortex area, that that can have a very calming effect, particularly with people with trauma. Mm-hmm. They can find that emotionally soothing so I, I was a little perplexed by that. I don't know how to explain that to myself. Someone recently pointed out um, that some of the recent work they'd been hearing about at the UCLA you know, attachment conference doing, dealing with trauma, that people were talking about the role of the visual cortex in regulating whatever the, the traumatic experience. So there's, there's something there yet that we still need to follow up on. So, um, you know, one subject that bears some, some mention here is, of course, our, our men and women returning from the battlefields in Iraq and Afghanistan, not to mention, of course, those who, who did their time years ago in Korea or the Gulf War or Vietnam, who may be less uh, thought about today, but whose suffering is, of course, no less real. And um, I, I have an article here published in Technology Review in May 2009 
that says uh, in, in blast-injured soldiers, post-traumatic stress disorder and mild brain injury often occur together. The two conditions also share symptoms, including depression, memory, and attention deficits, sleep problems, and emotional disturbances, and research suggests that they can aggravate each other. And a 1998 study of veterans with post-traumatic stress disorder found that those exposed to blasts were more likely to have lingering attention deficits and abnormal brain activity that persisted long after the injury. And a study published earlier this year in New England Journal of Medicine found that the 15% of soldiers who reported having suffered concussions had a much greater risk of developing PTSD. 44% of soldiers who had lost consciousness on the battlefield met criteria for post-traumatic stress disorder compared with 16% of those in the same brigades who suffered other injuries. So, um, you know, now one of the things so nice, of course, about neurofeedback work is that we don't need a diagnosis to do what we do. We just need to know how a person is functioning or not functioning and what their symptoms are. That uh, mostly tells us what we need to know in order to design a brain training protocol that can improve the way they feel or function. But um, maybe uh, you can mention something a, a little bit about... Uh, this veterans program that uh, you guys, uh, the EG Institute, sort of came up with. Right, and and let me say before that, what what we're really excited about right now is our our work with the active military. That um, neurofeedback is now being used at Camp Pendleton and at some other um, military bases to work with uh, service personnel, people coming back from combat, people. Uh, who are about to be redeployed or people who are about to be exit from the military, so really, really fresh kind of trauma, and they're, they're actually working with neurofeedback with these soldiers and getting phenomenal results with basically two, two groups, uh, PTSD and, uh, mild, and traumatic brain injury and blast and so forth. And they're very excited, and we see it starting to spread within the military, and so... This is, this is our current excitement in our office. We got there through our uh, nonprofit, uh, uh, which, which now is homecomingforveterans.org, and people can go there and see some of these uh, videos about our work with the veterans. They can find a list of neurofeedback providers who have off, are offering free neurofeedback sessions to veterans, and you can get there through homecomingforveterans.org or also eginfo.com. You can follow the links there to the information on the veterans. Well, Sue, I am, I am so grateful for you taking the time to be with us today on, on the show and, and talking about this. Uh, I'm guessing there were a lot of people out there who have been enlightened in ways that are bound to make a big difference, so thank you. Thank you for the um, opportunity. Yeah, well, absolutely. Um, and also, anyone... Wanting more information on neurofeedback for post-traumatic stress disorder and, and many other things, you can find articles and practitioners near you um, and video to watch at www.eeginfo.com. A tremendous amount of information there. So I hope all of you really enjoyed this incredibly important show today. And uh, I would like to invite you all to tune in next week where we're actually going to be switching gears quite a bit and uh, discussing ways of optimizing uh, your fitness training. Uh, we're going to actually be welcoming a former uh, Navy SEAL and trainer for uh, our U.S. Special Forces. His name is Michael Skog, and he has been working in the fitness industry for over 15 years, and he's an expert in something called kettlebell training, 
which uh, you're going to want to hear about. Uh, this may be the single most uh, effective full body conditioning uh, form of exercise that, uh, ever, and, and is definitely going to put anyone into primal shape, so to speak. So don't miss this fascinating, informative, and really fun show. And until then, remember, if it wouldn't look like food to somebody wandering around 40,000 years ago with a loincloth and a spear, it's not food for you now either. My name is Nora Gagoutis. You've been listening to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio. I thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week. I would like to thank my sponsors, the EEG Institute, offering the most trusted and respected source of information and training for neurofeedback, truly world leaders in the field. You can reach the EEG Institute at www.eeginfo.com or at 818-456-5965. I would also like to thank the Nutritional Therapy Association, the NTA, for their generous sponsorship. The NTA is the best, most trustworthy and reliable source of foundational nutritional education and nutritional therapist training here in the U.S. and possibly the known universe. I just can't say enough good things about this organization. You can find the Nutritional Therapy Association at www.nutritionaltherapy.com or you can call 1-800-918-9798. That's 1-800-918-9798. Tell Marcy Nora sent you. Thanks, too, to Biotics Northwest, the source for exceptional healthcare practitioner quality supplements, for every health professional, you can reach them at www.bioticsnorthwest.com or at 1-800-636-6913. Also, be sure to visit my website at www.primalbody-primalmind.com where you can also get my book, Primal Body, Primal Mind, Empower Your Health, Your Total Health, The Way Evolution Intended and Didn't. Thanks again for listening to Primal Body, Primal Mind Radio, hosted by Nora Gedgaudis. Come back for another great program next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. And have a great week.